Now, since this is a podcast, uh, you are not able to see us, uh, but uh, Christina, my co-host, is actually not Indian. Christina, can you tell us where you're from? The cat is out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I am from St. Paul, Minnesota in the US. And and when did you come to India? In 2010 and I have not left. What? So you came and you just didn't leave? I've just stayed. India is your hotel California. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, uh, wait, okay. That's really fascinating. And and what according to you has been was was sort of the biggest change uh when you sort of moved over your life from Minnesota to here? Well, one um it was hotter. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention. Um there I mean there's so many things that have changed and my life has like changed and grown in so many ways. Yeah. Um one of the one of the things that I noticed that is on the more challenging side is um when I am in public spaces I am very conscious of where I am when I'm in those spaces. Like an example of this is that I used to be a runner. Okay. Um and sort of Delhi air without or whatever. Uh I used to be a runner and what I discovered is when I when I ran, when I started running in Delhi. Yeah. You know, obviously everybody stared because it's, you know, one I'm a foreigner, obviously. Yeah. You know, but two, just a woman running, what I noticed is that I would slowly start to wrap my arms while I was running around myself like a T-Rex. <laughs> Just to like, you know, just minimize my posture and my chest and my body. Yeah. Just trying to make myself smaller and less conspicuous. Yeah. Uh and Yeah, because in India if you go running, they mostly look behind you. It's like if a, if a woman is running, they're like, who's chasing her? Like there's no independent running for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh but that's something that I definitely notice is a big change in me. It's just my body posture. Yeah. because i feel like when i'm out in public spaces there's so much that is read on to me and i physically my physical posture reacts to that that's so interesting i you know and i live in bombay and in fact i, I mean as you know i post i work out a lot uh but and i i not only mention it uh um on every podcast i have been in but i also <laughs> post uh videos on instagram regularly okay yeah Uh, but yeah, no. I've been actually now. I've been working out uh, on the road, and because uh, I guess it, I mean uh, it's a Bombay house, right? So there's no place like you raise one arm and then your hand is in the fan, and then you like. <laughs> and so um, recently, uh, somebody uh, put a comment on one of my videos. uh on Instagram. I mean I post you, my You do post a lot of videos yeah. of you working out. Yeah. I mean it's it's, it's because I am a f- uh, uh psychopath. That's nice. <laughs> that's the word I realized that the only way I will continue working out is if I get that that insincere drip 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 of like Aditi not bad. Are Aditi you've lost weight. Oh, oh you can do this. This is crazy. How do you motivate yourself? I was like with you. <laughs> I'm using you. I suppose it's good because you used to have to go to like you would go to a gym, you know, to get yeah. some sort of like hey, I'm here. Hey, yeah. I'm doing this. But good. now you can just get that by the power of social media. And somebody left a comment on um, one of my videos saying You know whenever I see these videos of you working on the working out on the footpath it um it's very crazy to me because I live in Delhi 
and uh, i can't believe more people are not staring at you and they're just walking by cuz it's true i think my favorite thing about my workout videos is the people who just pass by hmm. now they're used to seeing me <laughs> they're like oh my god this crazy woman from b block and it's actually obvious in the video that i've posted also that people don't care like it's bombay people just like walking past a pair of legs in the air but that's like, oh. i i'm always shocked when i see those videos on your instagram <laughs> our audience can feel free to check them out but <laughs> People just walk by you without yeah. even like they just step over you. Yeah, literally. They don't even look. Literally, they don't <laughs> care, and it's incredible. And you know, I like I realized not being looked at is so liberating. <sighs> it's so liberating, especially when you're in the open, but nobody's looking at you. Uh, it's such an incredibly freeing feeling because you're constantly otherwise taught to be aware of the gaze on you, as you were saying. Yeah. Constantly taught that oh my god, something's looking at you, and how are they perceiving you, and all that stuff. And when you're out in public and no one's looking at you, oh my god, it's so freeing. Oh, it's so freeing. It's, it's so freeing. Yeah. So um, one of the other ways that I find that this manifests itself for me is, um, and this happens anywhere, but I uh, I took a flight last night here from Delhi to Bombay. And what happens is, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you know those airplane seats, yeah. right? So you've got your 18 inches of space, uh-huh. and then it's increasingly <laughs> made small by the fact that flights want to pack more seats in. Yeah. And uh, I find what always happens is, is you look at, you look across the entire plane, and usually all of the women are sitting politely, sort of yeah. in a nice figure eight. <laughs> And the the men are pretty spread out, right? Like they've yeah. got their arms on the armrests, yeah. And they're kind of they're occupying that space, yeah. Now I don't know about you, but I see this as a golden opportunity for a small revolution. <laughs> what? How? So here's what I do. So when I start out, I you know I I take up my sort of you know gender acceptable amount of space, which is you know my elbows in on my lap and my yeah. knees crossed and everything. Yeah. But then what I usually do is that I wait for the guy. Whoever is next to me, who's got you know like his his elbows on both sides, I I just lurk. <laughs> What? That's really funny. I can imagine you sitting there with your legs crossed, just lurking. And I, here's the thing: I lurk, and I wait for like the refreshment cart to come through, <laughs> or like a yawn, you know, or like or something <laughs> like that. And as soon as his elbow goes up, I just immediately jam mine down. <laughs> <laughs> On the armrest, and I hold my ground. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I totally hold it, and when he puts his back, I'm just like, mm, I just kind of shrug my shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I am waging this small, petty, and yet significant <laughs> war for public yes, space. The patriarchy. In I mean, that's why, right? There's the there's the common. I mean. Like women occupy tend to occupy so much lesser space. That's it's glorified for us to occupy lesser space when we're in public. Whereas men, which has led to the phenomena of man spreading, yeah, where they sort of just are out there, you know, with their legs far apart on public transport. In fact, I remember I used to sit. I, I don't have a lady like gait uh, while walking or sitting. <laughs> And I remember my grandmother told me that uh, if you sit with your legs apart. Wait for it. A ghost will go into your vagina. <laughs> And I was like, "What? What haunted vagina? I mean, it's gonna go in there and be like, 'Ooh, that's where it's coming from, you guys.'" <laughs> But I mean, you know, to sort of make you realize that, oh, you know, you can't occupy too much space. That if you're in public, then you, you know, put your legs together, put your hands together, 
and be as tiny as possible. Now tell me this, you have to so part of your job is that you have to do gigs at night. Yeah. And you have to move through the city at night. Yeah, a lot. So what what is that like? So yeah, I mean, you know what, interacting with public spaces in the night is actually a completely different ball game. Uh not so different I would say in Bombay because Bombay again is sort of one of the most feminized I would say cities in the country right now in India. But you have to travel a lot, right? Haan, so you're all over the country. Whenever I'm in a different city, I navigate spaces public spaces especially in the night very differently like i uh now <laughs> you know i have a slew of imaginary friends who nice. i call and have these long conversations with when i'm in the cab back home right wait so so you're in a cab and you have your phone and you're talking but you're not talking I'm to not anyone i'm not talking to anyone it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's i whatever it gig is over i'm getting home at 11:30 the night i mean who talks on the phone nowadays honestly it's 2020 <laughs> okay we all text um i just i don't know i get really nervous while talking on the phone it's a millennial thing <laughs> and so uh, but having said that i love doing imaginary phone calls for the for the for the hearing of the taxi taxi guy cuz i want the taxi guy to know that somebody knows where i am yeah and that's a lie i've constructed around myself uh in order to ensure some kind of safety when i'm navigating through that space Having said that, I mean, it doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? So like, I I have this amazing like I will I have like I'm doing important phone calls. Yeah. Okay. I'm just like send the money to Tokyo. What is the <laughs> ROI on this? Like, and, and I mean, so I, I it's quite a blast. But so then at 11:30 at my night, you must be implying <laughs> that you're talking to like the New York office. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to the New York office. <laughs> I'm talking to the New York, hello New York office. but just to give the taxi driver the impression that okay you know what somebody knows where she is in case there is something you yeah. know afoot and, and not only that you're talking like a boss yes yes of course yeah i'm i'm the sort of like badass in all these imaginary conversations yeah like not meekly or you know yeah. anything like that that you are assertive and aggressive yeah um so uh there's an interesting thing that they've tried in london and a few other cities which is actually to name a night czar wait london is going russian <laughs> how far has russia interfered in these elections christina you know that it's such an interesting topic for another day <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's the job of the night czar mm. to uh to oversee and help ensure the safety of the citizens of london as they move around from 6 p.m. until 6:00 a.m. Ooh. Now the woman in charge of this is wait, wait, wait. There's a woman in charge. Oh yes. I mean definitely. She's called the night czar? Yeah, absolutely. So London Mayor Sadiq Khan knew that when he was creating this position of night czar. Yeah. He thought that it had to be a woman because only a woman could understand sort of the precarious existence of women moving around at night and that insecurity that you face. Oh. So in 2016 he appointed a woman named Amy Lamay. Now she is one busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention all of London from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. uh sort of watching. That's incredible. But I think that's a, an open invitation uh to women to step out. Yeah, right? Uh because otherwise if they did the question would always be what were you doing there? Yeah. You know, if something wrong happens, the question is, "What were you doing there?" And I mean, why 
can't I step out and and just be there? Isn't that you know? Am I not a tax-paying citizen? Yeah, that's true. And that idea of policing women's morality, right? Yeah. Or that that idea of protecting women. Yeah. Uh, well, it is a a a seemingly nice idea, the protection of women. That also controls how women move through public space a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then it becomes all about women's safety. In fact. The, the, you know statistics have shown that uh, stories about women's safety are possibly the top most top ranked reported and read stories when it comes to women's issues which then leads a lot of other women's issues to be left out in the background because everyone's just like well are they safe and if they're not safe then you know what wrap them in further bubble paper wrap them in further bubble paper <laughs> but it's not about wrapping them in bu- bubble paper right it's now about- right now i'm envisioning all of us in this like like <laughs> snow globe of bubble paper waddling around <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but oh i would like then pick on those oh man can life. you imagine how satisfying it would be to roll around on the ground with all those pops <laughs> But yeah maybe it's not about you know further wrapping women under bandages and it's more about you know putting out the fire in the world around them so they can walk like normal human beings and we're, today we're going to talk to someone who's really thought about the role of public space and how we can make spaces more inclusive Shilpa Fadke is a professor at the Center for Media and Cultural Studies at the Tata Institute for Social Sciences in Mumbai She's one of the co-authors of the fascinating book Why Loiter Women in Risk on the Streets of Mumbai. Yeah, please uh, tell me if I need to add anything. Is assistant professor at the Center for Media As- and Culture Associate now. Oh, I hey, got promoted. Hey girl. Hey, kya baat hai? Is podcast ki wajah se just generally. Are aapki podcast. Aapka naam sunke mujhe promote kiya. फैसिनेटिंग बुक Why loiter women and risk in Mumbai and uh, so a uh, very warm women in labor welcome to Ms Shilpa Fadke Thank you so much Isn't that a life affirming way to start the day It is amazing <laughs> You know and I want to ask you this um first mm-hmm. you, in your book you talk about the idea of good women and bad women which I thought was incredible and I thought it would be an interesting sort of jumping off point mm-hmm. ki How did I mean what first of all what is a good woman and what is a bad woman what is a good man and what is a bad man and what are the places of these four types of people So I mean we use the the idea of the good little woman as as a metaphor right yeah. to to describe the the desirable woman but also the subject of protectionism the woman what who is, should be protected what, right What is protectionism uh the the woman who must be safe in public space that's the woman we want safe but, so we're clearly not talking about bar dancers and sex workers and you know hmm. those women who sort of controversial are, yeah 
or are excessively sexual yeah. or are you know the public women you know like i uh, i read this in your mm-hmm. book but i realized this i carry a mangal sutra with me my mother gave me a mangal sutra <laughs> me my mother giving me a mangal sutra is the real dream <laughs> like, i love it like beta tumhare liye but she gave it to me she was like you know what you hang your, you you hang it around your neck when you're on the train you know late in the night yeah. to sort of add that veneer of respectability on the fact that you're taking a train at 12 in the night we heard this a lot a lot of women who wore the mangasutra to be safe that's mad yeah. but it's it's exactly that na it's the the line between the good and the transgressive woman is whether you're a private or a public woman so what the mangasutra does is it enshrines your link to the private right it says i am not available i belong to a man and this mangasutra demonstrates to you that i do so even though i am in public space i am actually a private woman oh right? Mm. And so a good woman would be a private woman. Yeah, we don't like uh, oversharing, no? These uh, like women who speak up too much and who yeah. uh like I mean I am the boob and bra girl on the internet. <laughs> the the pads <laughs> and the bra girl is me. Uh but that and that is my transgression is that I talk too much about these things and it's a, a highly private which, subject which I'm sure has a repercussion on your Twitter feed for instance <laughs> and the kind of hate mail you <laughs> yeah, get yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can conservative can't conservative society hates women <laughs> who are in their face right yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean this this sort of the private woman and the public woman uh how does this interact with um you know a woman either on her way to work uh or um someone who works in the outside space who works in the public space so that's actually something we found over and over again is that that the the purposeful woman the woman who has a purpose in public is actually very acceptable yeah. particularly if you're middle class and you have a white collar job but also blue collar working class women so if you're going from home to work and even if you're coming back late at night you're yeah. going home and you have large bags that demonstrate that you have a purpose or you've been oh. working it demonstrates productivity which is highly desirable and so in a sense a woman going out to work or returning home from work is actually a fairly acceptable legitimate side in your book you talk about how you have to manufacture purpose that women just don't yeah. hang around yeah. Yeah. which those you who know, don't even those who don't have a purpose pretend that we do right who are <laughs> yeah. who are we protecting all of these women from so that's really the thing no it's it's about a so you have to be a private woman and then you must be protected from the public because as aditi pointed out no one protects you from the private right we don't talk about domestic violence we are not supposed to despite the fact that data demonstrates that the largest proportion of violence against women takes place in the home and is perpetrated by people known to them right so despite this what we want to protect women from is outside men yeah and clearly there's this whole notion of stranger violence right which is yeah. which is what we are deeply anxious about and this is what we also teach our children don't talk to strangers don't take something from strangers yeah. you know we don't tell them enough about their uncles right which is why <laughs> yeah. there's so much pedophilia within yeah. neighborhoods and families so we always uh, sort of creating this anxiety about the stranger and it's the unsanctioned stranger right it's like when you go out and nobody who is a stranger should attack you or do anything to you or touch you or sexually harass you in any way but in in india a lot of women are married off to men they don't know right yes strangers yeah. <laughs> whom they are supposed to sleep with without knowing them right and this is perfectly okay with indian families yeah, 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 yeah. 
this is yeah. you know uh, there's this comic in uh, England called Shazia Mirza she is uh, i think half pakistani and half british and she's got this great joke about that she's like you know my parents they tell me my they've told this told us our whole lives don't talk to strangers don't talk to strangers and then as soon as we grow old enough they get us married to one of them and it's like oh my god that's yeah. so it's so true that's so true and the other anxiety of course is that you will find somebody you like outside who is not strange to you but is strange to them who will be from their perspective the wrong religion the wrong caste the wrong community the wrong linguistic group the wrong class or wrong in whatever way or huh. simply sometimes oddly simply wrong because they haven't chosen oh. them so it can be any of these but certainly like the worst thing you can do is marry across caste or religious lines and yeah. we see this right there's so much violence yeah against yeah. the couple like so families yeah. will kill their daughters sometimes yeah, if they the marry honor killings outside, and stuff like yeah, that outside yeah. religion let's not call them honor killings what's honorable yeah, about them no dishonor killings more yeah. like it yeah, yeah. yeah really yeah and i'm wondering chuba can you share with us you really advocate for women to just go and loiter yeah Yeah. Just yeah. go and hang out. Quite revolutionary in yeah. public space. They want to backtrack a bit and say that that the loitering argument really was about different kinds of people hanging out in public. You know, this idea that really women are not the only ones who are marginalized in public space. That migrant men, poor men, are also yeah. seen as outsiders to public space, even as they access public space. They are objects of surveillance. As much as we put CCTV cameras to protect women. we also need to look at whom we are protecting them from we are not protecting them from their middle class bosses we are not protecting them from their neighbor uncles who might harass them okay so the loitering argument really is about women accessing public space but it's also about women accessing it in community with others right and one of the arguments we make is that the home is not a friendly place that it's often a very hostile place but we never tell women don't go home in fact we urge them to yeah. be there and so we say yes the city is hostile and yes it's full of risk but there are women and different groups of people who want to access it despite its hostility right yeah we yeah. say because because it's also a place of thrill and it's a place of excitement and possibility you know right? when when i first so, read about by the way loitering yeah. i was you know to me it was such a revolutionary idea but when you put it that way i honestly i mean that i was like oh i i can imagine a world where i can walk out for the sake of walking out of my house because i've been in the house all day and i just want to stretch my legs so we got very differing reactions from young women whom we did workshops with who would often begin any gender friendly statement with the statement i am not a feminist but <laughs> right so they were not feminist they were very anxious about feminism huh. because it made them in that particular group in the early 20, 21st century which is what i feel the 21st century is that it has also made feminism unsexy right i mean i was a feminist in college in the 1990s and there were enough men who wanted to date feminist women to also so that they looked more liberal then mm. you know so we had these young women on the one hand who were saying i'm not a feminist but but they loved the idea of loitering because even as they said i'm not a feminist and they said oh and particularly in the middle class colleges they'd say oh we are very equal uh, we are very equal in our homes they the minute it came to mobility they knew that they were not equal to their brothers for instance right yeah. so they loved the idea but our feminist mentors and friends and feminist scholars and activists just thought we were crazy you know they were like but why would you want to loiter even good men don't loiter yeah. and if you gave me 10 rupees for every time i heard this phrase i would be quite i would have quite a bit of money <laughs> enough money to start loitering for a living uh, maybe not that much <laughs> but one of the other questions people kept asking me why are you studying mumbai because women have so much 
access mm. and relative to the rest of the city we did and we perhaps still still do, do in many yeah. ways but one of the things that provided access was public transport the local trains and the BST buses and i feel like the decreased number of BST buses cannot be a good thing in any yeah. way for women particularly for working women we do have a a very uh, sort of like i i'm in love with our mumbai trains and things like that like yeah. No, the trains are amazing. Or, or for instance, uh, recently, AAP has got a lot of flak for making public transport free in Delhi, yeah. for example. And I think it's amazing. You right. know, the thing is that uh, the, there's a, there's a huge anxiety, right, uh, about all of these women now who will have free access to transport, which means that even if they don't have a single paisa in their pocket, they, they can, can walk, walk out of their homes, get into a bus, then catch the metro, and, and go, go to wherever make they money. Lie. Yeah, or to even hang out. <gasps> I cannot overstate the importance of infrastructure in creating facilities for women to access the public and get to work, right? Yeah. And public transport is at the top of them, but also street lighting, uh, also public toilets. Yeah. Public toilets across the country for women close at a particular hour. So there's yeah. the toilet, there's a men's toilet, women's toilet, and then the yeah. urinal for men remains open 24 hours, mm-hmm. but the two toilet sections close at 9, 10 or 11. Yeah. Which means... That there are no women in public, oh. right? and not only do you assume they are not there now, they will never be there, right? Yeah. So it forecloses the possibility of uh, hanging out. The other thing we encountered, which actually I hadn't made a note about, is that we encountered also great hostility to um, separate compartments for women. To say, oh, but why? If it's equal, why do women need separate compartments? But in, what we said is what we're talking about really is not formal equality, which means everyone can get onto the train, but substantive equality, which means everyone actually gets onto the train, right? So if you don't have separate compartments for men, a whole lot of women will be left out of the train and will not get onto correct, it. Right? Correct. And given the protectionism, a large number of women are allowed to use the train because there's a separate compartment, yeah. right? Yeah. And so right now we do need these separate compartments. And visually they're amazing, you know, and yeah. when they made those trains, sort of the la- the women's compartments for all the 24 hours, that's also a huge statement. It's like, we have 15% of the train reserved for women, all the 24 hours, which means we expect to see you here, right? Yeah. The same is true of the bus, right? A lot of students said, oh, why do you want to reserve seats in buses? But what that does is it tells you that women belong in the public. They belong here for work. They belong here for play. They belong in the city. What does it feel like to lay in the grass in a public space? It actually feels amazing. It does. It it feels like you belong and that your body belongs. And I think that's incredibly liberating to feel that sense. Because for a very long time, women are trained and conditioned to believe that the city does not belong to us but also that we don't belong to the city that somehow we are you know we we access the public as a conduit between home and school home and college home and the workplace but to to claim that city is just with your visceral body is is just this incredibly liberating feeling and and one of the things that I learned from Neha Singh is that she says that the micro transformation that takes place in your own body when you access public space that you learn to use your body differently and I think also those of us who grew up in Bombay and maybe Aditi will testify this also use our bodies differently from women who grew up in Delhi we yeah. walk straighter yeah. than women in Delhi yeah. we, we have more access and, and, and I've heard this a lot about New, New York women in the context of the US you know what is at stake if we have less women in public space 
both in the workforce yeah. and just physically in public spaces. I think it's really important in the workforce as well as in public. I think deeply representation matters. But I I grew up in the 80s when Indira Gandhi was the prime minister and my parents because of the emergency cordially hated her and they said this regularly in the at the dining table conver- conversations but the fact that i was in a country that had a woman prime minister who was on tv every single day transformed my own sense of what i could be right so woman prime minister i can be prime minister i can be anything i want to be and so when women see other women or little girls see other women in public space they see them in positions of authority in the workplace I think it's deeply deeply transformative to know that the uh that the chairperson of a bank is a, a woman you know yeah. or or to just hear these names talked about I mean I I know a lot of uh women who were doing their MBA degrees for instance to have Indira Noe as CEO of uh, Pepsi. Pepsi you know this Indian woman who's there and 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 I have a friend who worked in Pepsi and she said that even within Pepsi the atmosphere was transformative right you have a brown woman ceo and she's saying here are all these men running around saying indra wants this and indra wants that and it's <laughs> yeah. transformative you know it's it's true. just to be in that space even if everything indra does is exactly what a white man in her position might have done just having her there and i'm i'm using her as an example i'm not saying she did that but, but you know yeah. just having women in public and in the workplace is transformative so also is it transformative to have muslims in public space and dalits in public yeah. space and in yeah. the workforce right yeah it's yeah. to have jo- jo- journalists to see dalit journalists and muslim journalists and women journalists on the news reading the news is is transformative we do need women in the workplace because they also transform the way we see the public so the public not just as public space but just the way in which the public itself is represented and if women are not getting into these spaces then then i think it's it's sort of really really detrimental Different. to the women's movement and to the way in which young girls are growing up right we have uh one segment at the end where we ask guests it's called do one thing what is one thing that you would advise uh listeners to do a lot of young women say we don't report sexual harassment because if we tell our families they'll say don't go out kya bhari mancha yeah ghar mein baitho yeah you know or if they are uh, slut shamed when they are with their boyfriends outside yeah. and the policeman says we'll call your parents they're terrified yeah they're more terrified of their parents, parents than the than police. police guy yeah you need to be your child's first line of defense your adult child's or your adolescent child's first line of defense no that if they come to you they should not come to you with the fear that their mobility will be further restricted which yeah. is the other thing we heard in workshops over and over again young women saying that when there's a public attack and it's reported widely yeah. their anxiety is not that they will be raped but that they will be further restricted at home wow You know? which so, is likely yeah of course it's likely yeah which is more likely than being attacked yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's certain that's... basically tell your kid at what like starting at age 5 that i am behind you haan ji that is a you know? beautiful message to say so if you are a parent of a kid yeah. um or just a parent of a puppy oh. i guess um <laughs> the, ने पपी को ऐसे मत बोलो दे आर लाइक पपी बेचारों को क्यों तंग करना नहीं यार अरे पपी सर पर बैठते हैं हमारा पपी सर पे बैठा है डू यू हैव अ डॉग यस शी सिट्स ऑन आवर हेड्स एमेन एमेन दैट्स द ओनली प्लेस वेयर पपीज आर सपोज्ड टू बी बाय द वे बट एज अ एज शिल्पा सो एलोक्वेंटली सेड इफ यू आर अ पेरेंट 
please make sure that you are your for child's first line of defense that's your one thing for the day make sure that they don't feel like their mobility or uh they are going to be affected for coming to you uh with uh you know any harm or any problems mm-hmm. that they might have yeah. or that the agency will be taken away you know or that their agency will be taken yeah. away Uh, yeah, yeah. You are the protector of their agency as well. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> You're as much a protector of the agency as you should desire their security. You know. Mm. Ah, what a line. What a line. Hi, hi. What a line. Hi, what, what, what a line. What a line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is such fun. <laughs> Let's go out and lie yeah. on the grass, guys. Wow. Women in labor is made by Christina McGilvery. Laura Quinn, Aditi Mittal, Manya Sachdeva, Sonakshi Chowdhury, Nandita Gupta, Sonali Thakkar, Ipti Patnaik, Rose Higgins, Porva Jassy, Regina Hawkins, Kashish Sethi, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor. and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Music